Hello again, all my fabulous, gorgeous listeners. It's so good to be back chatting away to you again. It's really fun. Um, if there's any topics that you want covered on the podcast, just send me an LDM. The Twitter and Instagram is at Glow West Podcast. We're here, obviously, to talk about all things sex, sexual wellness, sexuality and the body. And that includes some areas that we haven't actually looked at so far in all 140 odd episodes that we're up to now. And that is issue of circumcision. So I think that's really interesting to cover because obviously we have we well we've newer views on it let's just say in this day and age as well so join me to talk about it um is dean o'reilly who's the pronouns he him and dean is a psychology graduate diversity and inclusion consultant and sexual health promoter who's worked in public and private spheres and now based in manchester and working at the university of manchester Dean cut his teeth at Dublin City University, where he spent six years, he must have loved the place, four as a student and two as vice president for welfare and equality. And Dean has been facilitating workshops on sexual health for seven years, including, you may remember, Bottoming 101. So Dean has been a guest on the podcast before, and that is the episode on anal sex, which was actually one of the most uh, highest listened to podcasts, uh, funnily enough. And had an interesting experience for Dean as well when some students were like, what? You can't talk about anal stuff in college. So, Dean, I'm glad we haven't scared you off enough. Welcome back. Thank you so much. (laughs) How was the response after you are then talking about anal sex for thousands of people to hear? (laughs) You know what? It was interesting because I had a mixture of People who genuinely like, I listened to the podcast, I really enjoyed it. And I hadn't I haven't heard people have conversations like this before, like people who uh, hadn't been in university or in education for a number of years. And then you also have, and I knew these people with crimes would work, they would be like, love that podcast. Really, they just, you know, it was like sexual advances. That's really what was happening. Okay. Uh, but that happens when you're dealing with gay men and I'll speak in, in generalizations because I am a gay man um, I knew that would happen uh, so <laughs> you always have like a certain uh, group of them that are like this is my in I'll be able to use <laughs> yeah. this he won't be able to tell uh, so that was great it's, it's like you, someone saying here look I'm actually liberated I have slightly less hang ups than the next person I mean that's very attractive first off for, for anybody of like oh look someone who's slightly less fucked up than we are fantastic <laughs> or fucked up in different ways maybe as well that was fab yeah it was great to talk about that but you're back to talk about another uh, close body part I suppose and that is the almighty penis and in particular particular part of it which is the foreskin so why are you interested in talking about circumcision yeah so I reached out to for the listeners I reached out to Caroline about recording this episode months ago at this stage from like forever ago now uh, the reason for that is is I've noticed this um, real and um, let's say like divide in attitudes towards circumcision of late in that on, on the one hand, we've got almost as far as I understand, like routine circumcision in North America, right? So yeah, it's just people, the done thing. Actually, most people born penises, they uh, have a circumcision and that's what it is. And so there's an narrative there about, you know, these people who are having their, their foreskins removed weren't involved in that decision-making process. And of course, the, the foreskin can be really influential in sexual pleasure and sexual experience, uh, stimulation of the penis, so on. Um, and so you've got that cohort of people who feel really robbed of a parent of themselves and that they had no decision in and and it being removed. Yeah, because I don't know what the average age is, but something really small, like it's probably before six months or something. Yeah, like really young is children, right? Um, and then uh, what what's interesting is that it's led to this conversation that I, I also agree with in that if we believe in bodily autonomy, then we shouldn't be routinely circumcising people who have no, no involvement in that decision, who have no say in, in what it is. Um, but an unfortunate, I, I guess, product of that is that there's almost this prevailing opinion that circumcisions inherently and broadly are uh, mutilation of the penis or uh, bad for your sexual experience. So if you get a circumcision, then you won't experience uh, sexual pleasure in the same way. And 
what's funny is that there are many people with penises who actually benefit from having circumcision um, for various different reasons, myself being one of them. Um, and within Irish culture particularly, though I'm in Manchester in the UK now, uh, but spent most of my life um, in Dublin in Ireland, um, there, there is this like weird non-speak about how foreskins operate and how their how optimal function of the foreskin works. Um, because the reason why I wanted to reach out is I'm this person who has a penis, had a foreskin that wasn't functioning correctly. I did not realize that until well into my mid-teens and then wasn't able to access healthcare to assist in that until my mid-twenties. I went, okay, great to meet. The, you know, what, part of what went into that was this lack of mm, people talking about um, penises, foreskins, um, how they're supposed to work. Um, like, it's really funny. I remember when I was in secondary school and they had like diagrams of when you're doing uh, relationships and sexual education, they had diagrams of circumcised penis versus a non-circumcised penis. I remember staring at them and I was like, I don't see the difference, which is hilarious. I was like, what's, I can't, what's different in them? Um, and I genuinely did not know that if you are so with penis and you have foreskin, the foreskin is supposed to be able to fully retract over the glands of the penis, over the head of the penis, without any pain, any discomfort. That was not my experience. Um, and that had significant impact on my sex life and my own relationships with sex um, because there's that like shame I suppose that goes with like this isn't working properly especially someone who tends to mostly if not exclusively uh, in my history anyway sleep with other people of penises it's almost like you have a mirror in front of you of reminding you this is what it's supposed to be doing and you know that's that's not what's happening for you and then there's this like do they notice that it's not working properly? Are they in the head about it? I'm getting in my head about it. Um, so yeah, I've really gone on a whole diatribe there. No, <laughs> no, totally. I could listen to you for ages. No, but that, I mean, it makes sense, obviously, why you're, why you're interested in it. But I'm, I was just thinking there when you were saying there's another person there with another penis in front of you and at least you have something to compare it to. But a lot of straight men then don't because... Mm-hmm. The, like, you know, where else do you see penises as a straight man? In the gym, which you're trying not to look, and in the toilet, where you're trying not to look. And obviously you're flaccid, well, pretty much usually, uh, when having yes. a wee. Um, and that's, you don't really see, like if you have brothers, maybe you might see it. Mm-hmm. But if not, you're kind of on your own. And you're mentioning the shame there. And like, you know, imagine just like having zero outlet for that. Like that's a lot of pressure. And of course, shame crosses every gender and orientation boundary and it's just one of those awful things that is so embedded in sexuality but mm-hmm. like at what point like you, you, I know you were saying like in your you know 17 and then you had to wait for treatment quite a lot I mean like did it just feel like you're on your own with this thing it did right so what happened was is <laughs> when I was uh, in my mid-teens um, at that time, I had a girlfriend, God bless her, um, and um, we had some sort of like sexual interaction, right? And I remember being like, oh, that was like really not, that was not pleasurable for me. That was quite painful. And um, I said, like, what is that? And so I did a lot of like digging around and like Googling things and like looking at Reddit boards and, and everything else. And I realized that I had phimosis. So phimosis is where the foreskin um, isn't able to retract fully over the glands. The foreskin is too tight to be able to do that. And some people have phimosis and that you're not able to retract the foreskin even when you're flaccid. Some people have it and that and they're not able to retract it if they're fully erect or maybe they can get like a partial retraction. Um, but anyways. And is it so. just a case of like it's the bit that joins it to the glands ahead of the penis is too short or is it a whole way around problem? So it's usually to a tightness, right? 
So if you imagine it's like it, it, it's like if you have um, if you've got two circles, right? And you've got a large you've got a larger circle, which let's imagine that's the penis, and then you've got a smaller circle that fits inside that. It's like trying to get that smaller circle over the bigger circle. And it's just not happening. Yeah, and that's just going to hurt. Exactly. And so, like, the skin can tear if you try pushing it too much or um, you may get infections, things like this. So I went to the GP and I was like, I can't fully retract my foreskin from what I can tell I'm supposed to be able to. Um, And the traditional, let's say, pathways of treatment for enphymosis is if you go to a GP, they'll say, have you tried stretching your foreskin out? And if you're like, no, then they'll give you some advice on, okay, well, you know, like take a bath, stretch the foreskin a little bit and try to relax, see how much you can retract it, so on. Um, that's not helping after some time trying that. They may suggest a steroid cream. So that's to help with uh, basically like cell growth on the foreskin so that there's more skin there so then it's easier to retract. Um, they're really reluctant to suggest a circumcision, um, which in some ways I can understand in that some people are really afraid to go to the doctor because they don't want to get a circumcision and they're afraid that's not the, the only option that's given to them. Yeah, and that must be terrifying if you don't know anything about it or look at the side effect. Like, it's just like, oh my gosh, if I go deal with this problem, I'm going to lose part of my body. Like, that's terrifying. Uh-huh. And when we also consider it, the narratives that we have around circumcision that you're like sex isn't going to be as good for you like you're not going to experience as much pleasure of course people are going to be like well i want to avoid that at all costs let's try everything else beforehand in my case i knew that stretching and serotonin wasn't going to work but gp was like you have to try these before we consider a circumcision try try it for a couple of years a couple of years a couple of years because oh. i was like i need to I wait, I, I was trying it and then, you know, then like started college, started seeing men, started starting having sex in ways that didn't revolve around my penis, right? So I was able to kind of, in some ways as a gay person, I was able to ignore the fact that I couldn't uh, retract the foreskin fully because that wasn't always um, necessary for me to engage in sex, right? Yeah. And then... Was tried it for a couple of years, then just kind of like ignored it for a while, and then eventually it's like I can't keep pushing this off. And so, if you if you're ever looking for if if you're listening to this and you by most of this and you have an Ireland, and what you'll know is if you've done like if you look things up, you'll go to GP. If they refer you, they'll refer you to um, can't even remember now what type of doctor they refer you to, but specialist. I'm urologist. You're, I was, th- I was trying to think there, what's a fancy word for penis doctor? <laughs> I couldn't think of one. Okay, urologist. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah, because yeah, the ure- yeah. it's urethra. Yeah. So they'll refer to your, a urologist. As with anything through public health, you'll be waiting a couple months to have your initial consultation. Um, so I almost delayed going back to the GP after my first presentation back in my, you know, my mid-teens. Because I was like, oh, this is going to be such a long process. What if one, I could just fix it on my own, fix it on my own with stretching, or two, well, I just go private instead, so that there won't be any weight. And um, but actually, during COVID, um, I was like, I've got nothing to do with my day. I'm going to go to the GP and talk about this. And what's the worst? What's the worst thing? The silver happen? lining of the pandemic. <laughs> oh, right. And so they they referred me to the urologist, and we're like, you're going to be waiting. Um, probably a couple of months before you hear from them. And so in my head, I went, right, if I don't have the circumcision within a year, I'm just going to go private. The price to get a private circumcision uh, in Ireland, uh, you're talking uh, 1200 maybe 1500 when we prescriptions and things in. I did not think it would be that much. Because it yeah. seems like it's kind of a, a straightforward surgery, perhaps, like... Like you're not under for like five hours, like exactly. And when people think about like, well, they do this and do some babies all the time, and it's routine in other cultures, so you think that. But yeah, it's around uh, twelve to fifteen hundred. And if like you go very inaccessible for lots of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, in my case, 
on a got referred i think i received my letter to go to my appointment after i think it was five months went for my initial consultation in um mine was in barnes hospital and um, in that initial consultation they basically were like have you tried the storage creams have you tried things and i was like i have hasn't worked they're like okay well we're going to give you more steroid cream just in case this time of it works but we'll still we'll like put forward your uh your paperwork. oh yeah yeah, so yeah. you'll go on the waiting list they they told me that the waiting list would probably be around a year or maybe a year and a half at this stage so i i think this is october maybe novemberish time and so i was like okay that's what it's going to be and i then got lucky um, and this, I do not think this is, is a general experience, but this is what happened for me in someone canceled their circumcision and I was next on the list. And so happy for you, I only waited a month and a half from my consultation. Now I did have to get circumcised the day before Christmas, oh, uh, which I think is part of the reason why I was able to get cancelled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone else had a better idea. <laughs> a way more well, fun thing to do at Christmas. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was fortunate enough that I only had to wait about a month and a half. And then, and then I went to have my circumcision. And I was lucky as well that, it, well, lucky, I'm not sure is the right word. But because this was also around COVID-ish time, um, the... They were using a lot of private hospitals for public consultations. So I got to have a circumcision with, um, like after my circumcision, I had a private room and I basically had private healthcare, but I was treated on the public uh, system. Happy day. So I didn't, I didn't have to pay for any of it. It was covered by the HSC. And I, had, I actually had, in, in terms of going, having surgery, it was a relatively nice experience i don't think i could have had a better experience in, in that that sounds great wow and how long is the surgery i was under i don't know i was under for maybe like an hour or something and maybe two hours oh i'm sweet but you're fully knocked out like fully asleep yeah so they they fully put you to sleep and do you wake up um <laughs> i now i had i had an experience where i was post just the circumcision i was bleeding a lot more than what they expected and so i i think i woke up at i went for a surgery in the morning around 10 a.m and i woke up at around 12. i thought i'd be out of the hospital by 3 p.m i didn't get to leave the hospital until 8 p.m and um, because i had like ex excess bleeding or whatever it was but it's still a day procedure right so like you go in you have it and they recommend they give you like a sick note so that you have um like two weeks off of work you that's what need that already especially after what you just described so but I'm, I'm kind of surprised in one sense because obviously don't have a penis so this is new for me for a lot of me um but like with a vasectomy that's that's done in a gp surgery in local anesthetic so yeah. the one where you're not knocked out the one where you just can't feel particular yeah. area and that's like kind of fairly quick and over and done with so I wouldn't have I would have assumed the circumcision was kind of the same thing it sounds a lot more intense than than the vasectomy yeah yeah I I, I suppose I, I'm not I'm not sure what the particulars that go into it I it may be that like something about like blood vessels or something I'm not yeah, sure uh, or something I don't know so something biological there anyway that we don't have qualifications in <laughs> but what's What's interesting is that I spent like I spent the majority of my life right with phimosis with a foreskin that wouldn't retract, and then dealing with the consequences, for lack of a better word, of that. Right. So, like for example, and this uh, I guess I never really said this out loud, but every time that I'd go to the bathroom and I was peeing, then I knew okay, so I'm going to pee now, and most of it's going to most of it will happen. But in it, I know that once I go back and like sit down, I have to go back to the bathroom because there's going to be like a small amount of pee that's going to get trapped under my foreskin because I can't get it to retract enough. And so it's I was like, of infection I, as well. 
it's that. Then you're like actively avoiding going to the bathroom because yeah. like, oh, I want to deal with this. Which does then, not the situation at all. Exactly. Then there's also this like mainstream, like pop culture, like people talk about like, like when they talk about foreskins, they're like, oh, they're like not clean. So then there's this like internalized shame of like, just does everyone know that I've got phimosis? Can, can people like smell my penis when I sit beside them? Which they can't. It's like not happening. Yeah. And even even people with phimosis are able to like clean their penis, clean their foreskin most of the time. And if they can't, then they've definitely presented to a GP about it. Yeah. And that's what you think. Like you would think that maybe it would get noticed as a baby then, with a caregiver, you know, cleaning the penis yeah. and maybe noticing. But maybe. That's not a foolproof system. Yeah, I I don't know what um what happened with my parents. I don't know if they ever checked. Have you ever spoken to them about this? I so what's funny is I didn't so because it was Christmas, I was obviously going home for Christmas. And, and so I didn't tell them when I was going for the surgery. Um and I came out of the hospital to my dad picking me up and, and he didn't know why I was in hospital or why I'd had the surgery or whatever. And that was the first time we had the conversation about it where I was like Oh, I, I, the reason why I'm in, like, I'm fine. Like nothing happens. I just, I have to get a circumcision. And like, I was also like really high on drugs at the, at the time. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of spoke really and um, freely. I was like, yeah, like first went GP about it when I was a teenager, whatever. And um, so we never really had a conversation about whether or not they noticed anything. Um, but I remember for the longest time, both because I get, you know, I had a sexual experience then it was at the forefront of my mind. The like stuff around like anytime you go pee, anytime I was going to pee, and um, anytime like anytime people would be like talk about like foreskins or they talk about like quote unquote like dick cheese, all these different things. There was always this like internalized shame. Core Santa. And it's kinda inescapable at that point. It really, it really is. And it wasn't until I don't think I ever really thought that I would go through, like that I'd actually have a circumcision until I was, I think, I was still in college at this point and I was at some event or something, I can't remember what it was, and there was a a guy who was at the event and he just really offhandedly, I don't know how it came up in conversation, offhandedly like was talking to a room and I was like, oh yeah, I had to get a circumcision, I have phimosis Um, and so when I was like younger, I I had circumcision Um, and I was like, it's so funny because it's like so uh, reminiscent of like when you're first realizing that other people are gay I was like oh there's another person that has this <laughs> and um, and I didn't talk to him about it I didn't tell him that I was having the same thing but even hearing him talk about it I was like oh so like there are people who have had this and like they've sought intervention in what felt best for them and now what's funny is a year after I had my circumcision, someone that I know had also been dealing with this. I'd never told anyone about it. Didn't actually know that I had had circumcision, and they had offhandedly mentioned, I, I'm, "I'm going soon to get a circumcision because I've had this." And they like kind of had some like shame and guilt around it. And I was like, "Oh, I literally did this uh, a year ago." <laughs> I'm perfect. The perfect person to say it to. And you could see the relief on them, yeah. you know. And then they were able to talk to me about, well, how does the surgery go? And is it really painful? And um, what's the recovery like? And like, is it worth it? Did you lose, uh, what's the word in the report? Sexual stimulation, like are your orgasms worse or better? Or all all those different things that- See, they're the kind of questions where someone would feel comfortable saying that to you, but saying that to their doctor might just be completely, that is not happening. And then they're off to Google hearing all the horror stories and everything. And it, yeah. yeah, it's just that shame would just stop you saying it, wouldn't it? Yeah. And if you are doing the Googling, I can tell you, because I do all of it for years, all you ever see are people who regret getting the regret, regret the circumcision. And so when you know in your mind, I don't think that I'm going to be able to avoid getting this. It's like, oh, like, I, maybe I'll be the one that wakes up and regrets or has a really bad experience or my sex life is ruined. Um, yeah. And it's such a permanent thing. It's not, you can't like stick a foreskin back on. Yeah. 
No, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a movement for that. I'm sure I saw some kind of movement of, and it was called something like men regrown foreskins or something yes, like, yeah. explanatory kind of thing. But I don't, I didn't know how the science worked, but I don't think that's a thing. Don't yeah, I don't know. God, we're not like, what's those things when they chop off their legs and they can regrow it? Some kind of fish or something. Anyway, we're not, not fish people either. Never the fancy word for fish person. Um, okay, so that's kind of, yeah, like you can imagine all those questions. So like, what what did you find when you're Googling that about, like, you know, will I lose a sensation or um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for now? Uh, hi, uh, oh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Sexual function and stimulation. We'll go with that and I'll remember yeah. it in a minute. So when when I did all my like Googling and like opening incognito mode and going into like Reddit uh, forums and looking at forums.ie and forest.ie and all those different ones, um, everyone talked about, so like you lose sensation in the tip of the penis, your orgasms are going to be duller. And um, regret doing this. It was painful. And um, I don't like the appearance of it. And um, uh, all of all of the worst possible outcomes, like that's all that I was seeing. I was very rarely seeing any positive stories. And even if you consider it like because circumcision is so commonplace in North America, in the US and Canada and stuff, it, you would think that, or maybe like surely it can't be that bad if so many people have it. But then when the prevailing narrative that at least I was hearing all the time was, well, circumcision is general mutilation and these people don't know what they're missing. So that's why they're not you know, no, having that's, an issue that's with That's why I've heard a lot lately. It's gone from like a purely Jewish thing to an American cultural thing. Now it's kind of like comparing it to FGM, like female genital mutilation, like mutilation of the clitoris. And it's kind of, yeah, come into the consent area now as well, because obviously six months can't, can, yeah. old can't consent to anything. But yeah, that seems to be kind of how things are changing now that it's been framed as a, a mutilation, which is quite an intense word as well. And, you know, especially if you're choosing and where it comes to do that to yourself on a voluntary basis. And think about like what what that's saying and that like, are you saying that something that was necessary healthcare for me, like I couldn't avoid doing this, that I have now mutilated my anatomy and something that I couldn't avoid and that I did choose. You know what I mean? I, I think it it bothers me that th it it worries me, let's say, that the overarching narrative or the um, dominant narrative will become circumcision is mutilation. Because for me and for the 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 person that offhandedly said it many years ago or the the people that I know that that have had them more recently. It was actually incredibly sexually liberating um, and, uh, yeah, only beneficial. And so demonizing circumcision as only a negative thing, I think, goes um, goes to stigmatize groups of people who have penises, who have phimosis, or they have other sexual dysfunction um, of the foreskin, and um, that is unnecessary and also very unkind. Yeah, so. like you're teaching people there's something wrong with them and mutilation, you can, you know, you think of like horror movies that you've seen and like zombies and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, like, look, it's like anything to do with sex or gender. It's not like a black and white issue. You know, there's a billion shades in between and lots of different spectrums and viewpoints and everything else. Like it is like because it's very different. Like Europe is predominantly we wouldn't really be doing circumcision and America just seems to be done like the footprint test or what is it? The yes. footprint test to see if you have, yeah, yeah. I don't know what that is, iron or something. Uh, yeah, another thing we're not experts in today. <laughs> um, but yeah, it seems to be just like, that's it. That's that's what you do. So like I, I remember seeing that forums of people going, oh my God, I had this guy that was uncircumcised and I didn't know what to do. Whereas in Europe, it would be the other way around. So yeah. Is there like is it, is it the same in the gay community? Is if you tell people you're circumcised, is it a whole like oh that's mutilation or? Um, I will say people are surprised, right? So they're they they would be they would be, not that there's I, I haven't I haven't personally experienced much and um, like stigmatization or um like ne negative talk or anything like that, but people are kind of like hmm how how come. But what's 
what's funny is the, I I know like for and shout out to all the people that I hooked up with um pre my circumcision. I know that they definitely were spending time and time that we uh, during the times that we we're hooking up thinking why is his foreskin not retracting back and how am I able to get it to retract back or is that like clean clean quote unquote clean for me to interact with and I had more negative experience more more negative experiences uh, pre my circumcision because sometimes you'll find that in my experience and also now having spoken to other people who've had circumcision that um, people would almost get kind of like annoyed where they're like why can't I get it to retract back and then they'd be very forceful with it which was obviously painful yeah um, very delicate and then, skin and then because you've got this like self stigma and this like this internalized shame then like you don't feel really confident enough to have an open conversation about like don't do this with it please do this instead and um, so nowadays in the experiences that I've had it's been more oh that's interesting um, I didn't know you were Jewish which Oh, <laughs> um, no, yeah, but um, and I it I've also now post circumcision I've had hookups with people who I I can tell I'm like you would benefit from the circumcision and you're in the same place that I was a couple of years ago. I'm obviously not saying this to someone because you don't like what's 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 penis looks like and and their decisions about whether they get circumcised or not is is up to them. Um, but I have had experiences where I fucked up with someone. They've asked me why I was circumcised. I tell them why I was circumcised. And then they go, I actually have the same thing. I've been thinking about whether I should get circumcised or not. Would you recommend it? Um, it's like sex and education that... and practice. Right? <laughs> another reason why I was like, I, let's have a conversation about this. Because I never, ever, except for those few instances, like I said heard anyone speak positively about circumcision or speak at all publicly about things like phimosis. Yeah, for sure. And we're so grateful for you for sharing that because it, this is new to, to like to me for a lot of things. And then, you know, I'm sure for every, loads of other people as well. But mm. it just seems like I wonder how common it is if you're unless you're hooking up with the entirety of Manchester every night, <laughs> um, you've run into quite and if, if you are a good luck to you, fair play, just, yeah. just get the loop. Um, like it, it seems like you've run into a few people with the same problem, so it must be common enough then if you're kind of meeting I, for a few. I think, I think it is. I, if it's not common, it's definitely not rare, is what I'd say. Yeah. And particularly in cultures where we we have uh, really poor relationships with our anatomy, and particularly around like sexual sex organs, right? And um, my experience has been. It is again. I don't want to say common, but a lot. Of, a lot of the people that I know that struggled with phimosis were country Irish people who, for a fact, haven't had sexual education. I've never really had a discussion about their body, um, and they don't. And they don't know what it's what it's capable of or how it, lots how it's, of it's, shame it's, and religious shame, particularly as well for the older generation too of like. You just didn't like masturbation was like a dire moral sin in the Catholic culture. So, yeah, like I would think it'd be a lot more. And especially if you've never seen another penis, like how are you going to know what to compare it to? And then if you get no sex ed, you're like, what is this thing in my body? Okay, that's what it is. That's what it does. That's what it looks like. And if you don't have the internet as well, which, Mm -hmm. which, you know, where do you find that information? It's like a perfect storm of just, suffering alone which is awful mm-hmm. to think of so as you know like i i kind of group and maybe this is also how it's grouped in like medical literature or something i'm not I'm a biological literature i'm not too sure but i compare it to like people who have vaginas and their experience with vaginismus in that how if we're not having a conversation about it how do you know that that's not how it's quote unquote supposed to be functioning and how do you discern between like a painful sexual experience that could not be painful with the right intervention absolutely like yeah if you're just not ready yet or like but even that cultural narrative and we've had um dr maria envoy on the 
um, podcast before to talk about vagin- vaginismus, which I always, no, vaginismus, I always mix them up. Um, and we've also had the vaginismus network on as well. But they were saying, yeah, like the cultural aspects of like, you're told sex is supposed to hurt and particularly your first time and there's probably going to be blood. And it's like, you're automatically associating sex with pain. And, you know, if there's no foreplay, it's probably going to be painful as well for lots of people. So that just it just seems to be part and parcel of life with a vagina. You expect it to hurt a lot. And it's like, no, that's not what we should be teaching people at all. But we do, unfortunately. So, yeah, you can see that stigma and silence, uh, no matter what gender, what parts you have, it just leads to a mess, basically. I've got... um... So my my experience of like my actual like the day that I went and I got circumcised, um, I I was like this is like a big life moment for me whether or not other people realize that or not. I have th- these ridiculous and hilarious photos that I asked the nurses to take. So I so I'm in my hospital room. I asked them to take a photo of me beforehand. As in, as in, like, just a photo of me in my bed. I'm not talking about, like, off my penis. Right? Okay. Thank you for the clarification. Not a penis before and after, but just, like, of me before and after. Wait, I hope you did that anyway. Not, like, I not asking nurse to do it, but... I actually, so. I actually didn't. I didn't do a penis before and after. Um, so, what my penis used to look like, I guess, is only in the memory of my brain and wherever <laughs> I fucked up with during that time. Yeah. Oh, well. You should go back to them and be like, here's my new one. You want to look? <laughs> <laughs> but so I've got these really hilarious photos where, so when I woke up and I woke up from surgery and they, and they brought me back into my hotel room, uh, hotel room, sorry, my hospital room. The first thing that I said was, oh, can you take a photo of me in like, you know, the kind of like post-op. And in these photos, I look horrendous because I just came out of surgery yeah. and I'm just, and I'm just coming out of like anesthesia and, um, I posted the photos on my Instagram and um, with no context as to like what I was in hospital for yeah. or uh, was it surgery? Was I just, uh, you know, of it? Um, and I like, when I think back on that, what a wild and crazy and in some ways illogical decision that I made was it, you know, when I reflect back on it, it actually, it, it was a really significant day for me. Yeah, um, of course. And um the 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 experience of the surgery and the experience of like do like doing something that I needed and that like would benefit me, I guess like I wanted to always um memorialize for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, and, that makes like, sense. Have a memento of. Um and I guess it if there's anyone who's listening who's like thinking about a circumcision and you're wondering like what's the recovery like and things like this. Um the recovery is not, I'm not going to say that it's easy because it's not, right? It, it is uncomfortable. It is painful, but it's not as bad as you think it will be. And the wor- honestly, the worst part about, um, at least this is what mine was, the worst part about being circumcised was you can't have any form of like sexual interaction for at least six weeks. Um, so that includes masturbation. It includes like, like interaction with other people. Yeah, you gotta you gotta leave the area alone for a little bit. <laughs> and that is a if you're someone who uh, is used to like masturbating every day, which a lot of people with penises are, um, or like you know like a couple of times a week, six weeks is a really long time. Yeah, <laughs> and especially when you're like so happy about it, it marks such an important part of your life, and you're dying to you know test drive it out, and you have to wait oh, exactly. that time. Did what? Did you feel anxious when it became time when you got your six weeks clear? You're good to go. Um, you know, out out the door. Did you feel a bit anxious about putting it to good use? Did you think, oh God, it's gonna burn or it's not gonna work or? Yeah, because you've got you've got that worry of like, oh God, like if if this stimulation is like different how am i how am i going to react to that or like what if the orgasms are worse or like uh you know all those different things now okay i didn't have i i guess i can't speak for everyone inside the circumcision but for me my like sexual satisfaction didn't change at all if anything it improved because the things i could do with my penis like the options i had available to me expanded um there was like a bit of a learning curve in that um, I think if you're someone that's never been able to expose the glands, um, you may have this like, 
oh, well, I need to really focus on like glands st- stimulation. I need to like explore what that's like. And if you've like freshly had a circumcision or like just post circumcision, it's going to be really, really sensitive. Um, and so I would imagine for most people, it's not actually going to feel that it's going to feel really overstimulating. And yeah. by, by nature of that, like not really pleasurable. Um, so I'd say like, don't get so, if you're having a circumcision, don't get so hung up with like, I need to play with my new, my new toy. Um, and like the way, if you're someone that's like used to masturbating or, or and you're used to, or like, you know what you enjoy in sexual interactions, don't think that those will necessarily change just because you've had a circumcision. Um, probably like the way that you masturbate, the way that you get off or like the things that you like your partners to be doing when, when you're in a sexual situation, um, they probably will stay the same. Um, so don't. Yeah. And that, I guess that's, that's you know, something that look, that might change over your life for a million yeah. different reasons. So, you know, if, try not to let that stop you because like, you know, you might hit 13 and be like, oh, I didn't know I was into this or, you know, that's, that's how sexuality is. It changes so much and gender changes and, you know, all those life things happen. So yeah, that's not restricted just to circumcision. Mm. Yeah, for sure. It's fascinating, like how just the process of it. And I just love how calm and fun your conversation is because I just think this is something that, you know, again, if we're like, you know, sensitive about it, there's so much stigma and, you know, scaremongering like does not help anyone and being calm and gentle and compassionate really opens the way for people. And I just, I always hate the idea of someone suffering by themselves and just thinking, God, I'm the only one like this. So it's really great to see that you're out there talking about this. This is fab. And like, do you think that, you know, I suppose like words of advi- words of advice, your Jerry Springer final words, um, you know, for someone who is you know, just about maybe to start that process of the medical intervention, what advice would you give them? Um, so well, off the bat, I would say don't listen to the don't listen to the uh, the techniques that you'll read online about how you can avoid a how you can avoid a circumcision or or whatever it may be. Like, um, for those for those of us listening and that have never looked up ways to avoid circumcision or ways to stretch the foreskin, you'll see stuff like there's these like apparatuses that where you'll have like a balloon that you can slide under the foreskin and then inflate the balloon and then that will stretch the foreskin, all these different things. And don't buy any of those. Don't feed into them. And if you're looking to to, uh, intervene with, if you've got like phimosis or whatever the sexual dysfunction may be, go to your GP and, and see what they're recommending. If you're at this age where you're like, stretching is not going to work, steroid cream is not going to work, I'm, I either want a circumcision or I'm going to need a circumcision, I would say go to your GP the minute that you have that thought to kickstart the waiting time. Yes. And um, if you would like to go private, and I wouldn't necessarily advise going private if you can uh, go through the waiting period of the public system. In saying that, I know that my experience was relatively quick, so maybe that's why that's what my perspective is. But if you're thinking about going private, and um, you may see that there'll be uh, there'll be di- there's different options. So you could have a full circumcision, which is what I had, or you could have a partial circumcision, or there's a bunch of different like techniques, and you may get like really caught up on like what exactly do I want? If you go public, a partial circumcision won't be offered to you. You'll only get offered a full circumcision. Um, the reasoning for that in the public system is that um, some people have a partial circumcision so like they'll remove some of the foreskin but not all of it and that won't rectify the issue and then that would mean that they'll have to come back for another surgery yeah. and then, which the public system doesn't want because yeah. they're trying to be like let me treat you and private sector of course does want that because if, if there are people who are all happy then they'll come back to have to pay again so um, I know people have had partial circumcisions and they're really happy with it. Um, I wouldn't be afraid of getting full circumcision. As I said, I didn't lose any stimulation or sexual satisfaction or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I kickstart going to your GP, like ask them if, they're, if, if they themselves are being hesitant about like referring, just say like, listen, this is what I would like. Will you please just refer me? And 
I would also say that in terms of going for the surgery and preparing for that, I, because it was only Christmas time, I obviously wasn't in work um, for pretty much any of my recovery because I was already having annual leave. Very annually times, yes. Which is really, really well timed. I thought that, I thought prior to going to surgery, what would happen is I go in the morning, I'd have my circumcision, a couple hours, I'd leave grand. It would be a little uncomfortable, but I'll be walking out, whatever. I am very thankful that I had the time off of work and I would say at least give yourself like four days where you're not in work. Where that's possible, I understand for different reasons. Like if people work in like retail or service industry, it may be difficult to get sick leave and things like this. But but if there's any way for you to prepare that time off, I promise you you'll really benefit from it. Yeah. For your first for your first week post surgery, you're not allowed to shower. So um like even at that, like you're having to banish that. And I'd recommend go get go buy additional gauze and bandages pre surgery so you don't have to do it post surgery because yeah, yeah. you're being comfortable. And get your wet wipes and your dry shampoo in as well. The all, sharing. all of that. I also rec- like buy a bunch of like sweatpants that you won't care if like you bleed on. And sure comfort. You're not getting in their jeans after that. Oh, no. oh, I I could not wear jeans or like more like quote unquote like normal trousers for about two weeks. I think. Yeah, that's so sense, Yeah, I exclusively wore like sweatpants basically, and that's another reason why not being in work was also beneficial. Yeah. And but yeah, like buy like really cheap ones that are comfortable. Like you probably you probably won't well. You probably won't wear underwear because it's, it's quite uncomfortable because it like it's off the the ear it gets off your bandages or if you finished your period of bandaging and you'll be advising that from your doctor and then it'll be hitting directly off the bands and that's quite uncomfortable um take your painkillers and um, they do help and um, you'll probably be given enough painkillers for about two weeks i didn't need mine after about five days but don't like play a hero. I mean, it's it's better to not feel pain at all than to be uncomfortable for yeah, for sure. Life. life is short. No. Like take take the meds and circle. And, and oh, you, you will you will need someone who picks you up from the hospital. You're not going to be able to get on the bus afterwards. Um, True, but that does not, not sound like fun. You're not you're not going to be able to do that. Not, and. And most people won't have any complications and they'll be fine. And you'll you probably actually, you'll be waiting less time than I did before you get discharged. But just like keep in mind that like, if you're bleeding more than they'd like you to, it's not necessarily like a complication of surgery, but some people just bleed. Just something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Just, you know, keep in mind that you may be, you know, waiting around a little longer than one or two hours post-surgery. Um, and if at least if you go through the public system and it's the same as what my experience was, you'll have like a follow up appointment with your surgeon, maybe six six months after your surgery. So in that point, you'll be able to talk about if you are having any issues. We will discuss them. If you go through the public system, I'm kind of saying all these like as as it's coming back to me. So I hope people can follow the advice as in like logically follow it. Um, you won't meet your surgeon before your circumcision. You won't get to talk to them. You'll get to talk to them for about a minute before it actually happens. So if you are worried or there are things that you want to talk through before the surgery, there will there will be a little bit of an onus for you to like really self-advocate in that moment. And don't be afraid to do that either. And because um, it, it may feel like it's, it's happening you know, you're waiting really long and then the actual day of the surgery happens really quick, you know. Yeah, it's kind of rush, rush, rush in and out. Exactly. So, and there isn't a lot of time to talk to your surgeon beforehand, at least in my experience. And if you go through the private system, of course, I think there is a lot more than a lot more to speak. Yeah, and I'd say um, if if you're someone that has phimosis, or other forms of sexual dysfunction with your foreskin, like others could be palantis, where 
and um, the foreskin kind of gets trapped around the glands and, and, and stops it from uh, being able to receive blood flow and, and things like this. Um, and you realize that you need to go for a circumcision. I promise you that the benefit, it's like it, it will only be beneficial because your sex life or your, your sexual experience, maybe like if you're not someone who enjoys having sex with other people, but you enjoy like masturbation, it will only be enhanced because there are things that you are losing um, that, um, that you'll only be able to regain from uh, going through some sort of intervention. And I think a question that I, I often got just after my circumcision was, oh, well, are you worried that, you know, your sexual stimulation, your experience isn't as good of, of what it could have been if you had, you know, a, a foreskin that could retract? My answer to that is, that was never going to be my life. And I, I couldn't do that. So there's no point of like getting hung up in that or like trying to think about what it could have been because that's that wasn't in the character. The negatives outweigh the, the mm. positives. Yeah, exactly. That's like, it's fascinating and they're great words to end on and I love how positive you are about it. And it's just, I hope if someone's listening and they're feeling scared to just listen to the wise words of Dean and all his lovely penis knowledge that he has acquired <laughs> um, and, and go take that step. So Dean, this has been incredible. Thank you so much. I've learned so much. Um, where can people find you if they want to check out whatever, whatever else you're up to apart from your penis and your anal sex time? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So if you check me out on Instagram, so that's accidental rainbow. So the words accidental rainbow. Um, I'm sure everyone can spell those. You can find my Instagram there and that's kind of where I post about my sexual health promotion and, and, and bits like that. And if you are someone with a penis, with a foreskin that's not functioning the way that you would like it to and the way that um, you would expect it to, and you want to talk to someone about circumcision or what that experience was like, I'm more than happy to do that um, because I know that there aren't many outlets that you can do that. And I certainly have, have been that person for a couple of different people Um now since since my circumcision and um yeah so if you'd like to reach out to me please feel free to and i won't think you're weird it's fine you're very kind and yeah we'll put um dean's instagram into the show notes as well so if you lost it there you can hit rewind or you can go and read it in the show notes it's there so dean thank you so much this has been absolutely fascinating thanks so much for having me and sure look we'll have Dean back for a third podcast down the road at some point soon <laughs> talking about yet another body part I'm sure somewhere there um, thanks Emil as usual to all my listeners you're all absolutely fab if you want to rate and review the podcast that helps it spread the word out to other people so you can do that on Apple and Spotify and if you want to get in touch the Instagram and Twitter is at Glow West Podcast you can also go check out the Tortoise Shack Network which, which Glow West is on and that's tortoiseshack.ie you can find tons of podcasts there and if, you, if there's anything you want covered on the podcast just drop me a DM and mind yourselves see you soon